It's good to see all of you. Good morning. Welcome. My name's Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here. This morning in the, in the book of Mark, I believe, holds the, the power for us to understand that God is actually holding on to our very lives. God knows uh, what you're up to and what's going on in your heart and has something to say to you this morning. Uh, I'm going to read some scripture before uh, we get into it. This is from Mark chapter 1. Uh, it'll be some selected verses through Mark chapter 1, and it starts like this. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days. That's Jesus being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. I'm skipping down to verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there's this short phrase right there uh, at the beginning of chapter 1 of Mark that says, after John went to prison. I, I guess uh, oftentimes when I've read it, I've seen it sort of as a throwaway line or just sort of a, a, a marker to date uh, when Jesus began his ministry. We just talked about uh, last week that Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. How long is 40 days in the wilderness? You remember? A long time. So Jesus was there a long time. And then after that, John went to prison and Jesus started his ministry. My plan for this morning was to speak to you about a verse, about 20 verses past this one, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. We'll, we'll get there in a minute. But as I was preparing this week, this little phrase just kind of kept staying with me. I don't know why. After John went to prison. After John went to prison. And so uh, if you'll give me a moment, and you have no choice, you're just sitting here, it'd be awkward if you did anything else. Uh, I want to just kind of unpack or tell a little bit of the story of what that might have meant for John to go to prison it starts in uh, before he was born. His mother's name was Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was an old woman past childbearing years. In fact, in a very intimate detail in the scriptures, in the book of Luke, we're told that she was unable to conceive. So not was she just old and past childbearing years. She had never been able to have a child. So it was a quite remarkable thing when her husband, Zachariah, who was a priest, went into the temple for his official duty and encountered an angel, and the angel told him, Zachariah, your wife Elizabeth of a son, and your son will be the one that will, will prepare the way for the Lord. And so there was this remarkable thing that happened in their little village. Old Elizabeth, picture it, an old woman, is now pregnant with her first son. What makes this story really important to us is that Elizabeth's cousin, Mary, uh, around the same time, a few months later, was herself visited by an angel who told her, an unmarried teenager, that she was pregnant with the Son of God. What happens next is where all this comes together. The scripture says at that time, so as soon as Mary got the message and said, let it happen, God, I'm open to it. As soon as that happened, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. The first thing Mary did is she wanted to just sort of be in the presence of somebody else who's experiencing a kind of crazy, miraculous thing. 
So she's like, what's up, Zachariah? But I'm here to see Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, that's John. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, I don't know, these two boys, Jesus and John, have a connection before they're even born. We don't know what their growing up years were like, these two, I guess, second cousins or distant cousins that lived in different towns, but we know that they knew of each other. You can imagine that their families visited each other when Jesus and his family went to Jerusalem close by with Zachariah and Elizabeth's house. I mean, it's easier for me to imagine two cousins growing up, having fun together, you know, getting into mischief together and their parents watching over them, our two miraculous boys. And, and so fast forward 30 years, And John becomes this sort of well-known wild prophet who goes out into the wilderness and starts baptizing people in the Jordan River. It says all of the Judean countryside and all of Jerusalem came to where John was. Everybody knows John the Baptist. So John's famous. Jesus is unknown until Jesus comes and is baptized by John in the Jordan River. The sky opens up. Our story's full of crazy, miraculous things. The sky opens up and God says, this is my son, talking about Jesus, this is my son with whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And this is the the moment that Jesus is then sent into the wilderness for 40 days, and 40 days is a long time. And when he comes out, John goes to prison. After John went to prison, Jesus went to work. You may be wondering, what are, what are we talking about? What's happening here? I just couldn't get past. I don't know. Have you ever had something happen in your family? So striking, painful, unexpected, that it's hard to then just sort of do the normal things, to do the things that you're supposed to do. After John went to prison, Jesus had to go and start his ministry. It's sort of like this. You know, I hear someone say, yeah, my mom has cancer, but I still have to go to work. Yes, my son's in rehab. Yeah, my son's in rehab. The world hasn't stopped turning, though. I still got to do this stuff. Yes, we separated last month. If you mean he moved out without asking, and I still have to uh, go to the grocery store after church, and I still have to help with homework, and I still have to get the emails done. Are y'all following me? Like, somebody could say, like, yeah, my heart is broken. I'm sitting in my cubicle. So... I'm making more out of this than it probably is, but meaning this after John went to prison, it just looks like a footnote. It's a way of dating. But for Jesus, it's not just some public figure is all I'm saying. It's John. It's his cousin, right? It's old Zachariah and Elizabeth's son who they all grew up together. I mean, this is Mary's nephew, right? They watched him grow up. They watched him grow his hair out. Y'all laughed at me last week, but he really did grow his hair out. That was like something that he had to do as, a, as this kind of uh, part of the priesthood that he was going to be in. He, he grew his hair out. He moved out in the wilderness. They're hearing about John. It's their crazy nephew. He's eating bugs. We always knew John was weird, right? It's like when your 15-year-old nephew comes back from Panama City Beach and both ears are pierced. You're like, ah, I knew he would do something like that, you know? The parents are mad, but he's just your nephew. You just love him, right? You're not worried about all the little things that he does. And so John grows up and and becomes this wild kind of prophet who does all these crazy things. And Jesus loves him. I I believe that. John catches the attention of everyone. He's not just a footnote. And then uh, an ancient Jewish historian named Josephus tells us the exact details of what happened with John. He says that Herod, who was the king, 
noticed John and Herod, thinking that John's, uh, John's following would create a rebellion, put John in prison in a castle to be executed, and John is executed. But to Jesus, he was John. Don't you wish that sometimes time could just stop for a moment when your world runs off its rails? Don't you wish that, like, I just wish I didn't have to go to work for a day. I wish I didn't have to complete this paperwork. I still have to get everybody everywhere. And I wonder if Jesus, um, coming out of the wilderness, still kind of felt in the wilderness. What I'm saying is you might go through a 40-day time period and then still be like, wait a second, am I out of the wilderness or in the wilderness? Did Jesus carry the burden of John's imprisonment? Did he carry the burden of all the sick that he saw? Did he carry the burden of the people on the margins he couldn't help but notice? Did he carry the burden of the ill? So what did Jesus do after John went to prison? You can read about it in Mark chapter one, all kinds of stuff. Some people start following him. Then like crowds start following him. No sooner would Jesus be in one place than he's in the next place. The, the book of Mark is filled with all these kind of action, urgent words, like as soon as, immediately, that evening. And then it has all these words that insinuate that there's a bunch of people, all the sick, many diseases, the whole town. As you read all through the book of Mark, which some of you are going to be doing, you're going to notice all these words. It's like, he from here, and then immediately went here. And then next he went there. And all the people, and immediately. And those words sound like words in my life. That's why I've noticed them. As soon as, immediately, all the sick. That, then that evening, all those, all those type of things. And it was a, a full day for Jesus in Mark chapter 1. That at the end of that day, we're, we're getting to that 20 verses later. Verse 35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus had this super busy day, and then he set his alarm to get up early to seek to have some time to encounter God. What I'm saying is, I think, I believe, that God is not just calling you into some discipline of praying early. It's because God knows your heart that you can get up early and encounter him. God knows your family. God knows who went to prison. God knows the person who has cancer. God knows what's waking you up early. I'm inviting you in this 40 days to be intentional with that God, to open up your life to what that God has for you. So a few things. Jesus teaches us that you'll have to take breaks before your breakthrough. Don't you wish you could just push through? Are some of us in pushing through it mode? (laughs) Like even this morning, you're like, I'm gonna push through. I'm gonna make it. What Jesus shows us is that won't work, that you have to stop. That evening, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and all the demon possessed, the whole town. It was like this super busy day and it was the next day, early in the morning while it was still dark that Jesus got up, left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. You see what I'm getting at? It's when you have the most to do that you most need to stop. It's when you have the most to do that you most need to stop. If Jesus needed a break, you do too. (laughs) Jesus had as much going on as you do. We don't give ourselves permission to take a break, do we? Why? Because we're not done. We'll say, I'll take a break when I'm done. How many of you are done this morning? You got everything checked off the list, right? So listen to what happened to Jesus while he's having his devotional time. This is verse 36 and 37 of chapter 1. Simon and his companions went to look for him. So while he's having his quiet time with God, the disciples are still seeking him out. 
And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you is their way of saying, Jesus, you still got a bunch to do. What are you doing out here in the dark? But Jesus had realized the journey is really long. I can't get it all done in one day. Jesus teaches when everybody's sick and the whole town is after you and everyone is looking for you, that's when you need to take a break. That's when you need to seek out God. Jesus didn't have this perfectly balanced life, so I'm not expecting you to leave here and have a perfectly balanced life. Jesus was all over the place, right? But what Jesus did do is he made sure to stop and take time for God. And um, that's something I think most of us need to work on. I know it's something that I need to work on. You'll also have to break before your breakthrough. So the first one, you need to take breaks, but you're also gonna have to break. And I say that to you if you're here this morning, like, I'm gonna hold this together. I'm gonna keep it together until I get through the wilderness. I hear folks say as a pastor, sometimes they'll say, I'm at my breaking point, which is not a fun thing to hear. But there's also something in when somebody says, I'm at my breaking point where I can be like, okay. Because you have to break before you can have a breakthrough. Things have to kind of fall apart. They have to unravel. Um, Because this kind of gripping so tight and holding on that we think we do so well, we really don't do so well. And it's, it takes us letting go before uh, our hearts can really be changed. I wonder if Jesus stealing away early in the morning, you know, it could have been some big holy moment, right? The son of God meeting with his father. Amazing. But I wonder if it also wasn't just Jesus trying to catch a breath in the midst of all that had been going on. He'd been up late taking care of people. I wonder if it could have been like when you go out in the hall at work because you're having a really bad day and your marriage is falling apart, right? I just got to catch my breath. I wonder if it could be for me uh, like it was uh, recently in the parking garage of Vanderbilt Children's Hospital where I got in my car and I began to cry. Why? Because I love that kid that's in there that's suffering and I got a bunch of my own stuff going on. And sometimes we just have to find, Jesus just found this moment to try to connect with the Father. If you're here this morning thinking, I'm gonna hold it together, I'll make it through, I'm gonna just tell you, you can't. You will have to break before your breakthrough. Jesus hung on a cross before he came out of the grave. If you think you're gonna make it without suffering or without the feeling that you're losing everything, you're reading the wrong story. This is a story where you let everything go. This is a story where you feel yourself uh, at your breaking point. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to encourage you because I don't feel like I'm in a room with a bunch of people that have it all together. The guy up here certainly does not. You'll have to pray before your breakthrough. And so I encourage you, if that's not been a part of your life, something you've tried, you don't have to be an expert prayer, you don't have to have it all down, you just need to talk to God. Find a place and a way that you can be real with God. Tell God about your pain, about your anger, about your dream, about your hope. Open yourself up to God. We started six weeks ago, a Thursday night worship service. Uh, it's been super fun. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we just had our, our sixth one last uh, Thursday. It's going great. But as we prepared for that, uh, actually a young person at our church uh, suggested to me that we pray every morning for a season, for a long time, before we get ready for that. So there was a group, a small group of people that came in January at 6 a.m. Uh, every morning, 
and prayed right in this area. It's just a really a handful of people. We were praying for the Thursday night service, that God would work, that God would move, that we weren't crazy, you know, that, that, uh, that God would show up. Our first Thursday night, some of y'all are there, I know, was, the place was packed. It was amazing. It was an amazing night. You could feel God's spirit. And I looked over and I caught the eye of one of the ladies, her name is Kathy, who'd been praying every morning because it, it was just amazing. I was just like, this is, I gave her this look like, I can't believe this is happening. And she gave me a look that looked like this. She said, we prayed. That was the look. She's like, I heard you in here with your bed head and your hoodie on asking God to work a miracle. What'd you expect? I believe in the power of prayer. I don't really know how it works. It doesn't seem to work all the time. I'm not saying it's formulaic, but I believe that something happens when you start praying for someone or something. Jesus prayed. Can you imagine? Jesus felt the knees. I need to go talk to God about this. Last Thursday night, uh, we had our first uh, baptisms on a Thursday night. Katie and Memo. It was truly a holy moment. Memo and Katie are restaurant owners here in town. And so they told me week one, they showed up really early week one and said, we've never been able to really come to church on a Sunday because we're getting ready for all you guys to come, right? Come eat lunch. And so they've been taking Thursday nights as a date night, as a stop night, a not work night, and a worship night. Four weeks in, we were studying, for God's sake, the book of Galatians. <laughs> and they said, we have encountered Jesus in Galatians. That's what they said to me out at those tables. They said, we want to give our whole lives to that Jesus. And so I was just a really holy moment. I just wanted you to see it because I think that prayer leads to breakthrough. And you don't have to be perfect at it to start. You can also, last one, you can praise before your breakthrough. One of the craziest, most fun, and sometimes hardest discipline as a follower of Christ is to actually praise God before your breakthrough, before you see the thing happening, to say, I still believe, I trust you, God, I praise you, I love you. Notice uh, that this is the phrase I said, you can praise. I'm not saying that you have to. All those other ones, I'm, 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 I think you have to. You have to take breaks. You're going to have to break for, for God to work. You're going to have to pray. Um, but you can choose to praise God before a breakthrough. It's an invitation that God offers us, that you could turn your heart to God as if God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so you're going to praise him even when you're in the midst of the wilderness. Uh, my wife, Rachel, not all of you know her, uh, but she has devoted her life to serving other people. She graduated college when she was 20 and became a social worker. And for uh, all these years, she's spent most of her career uh, working with people that are in, a, in some type of crisis. She has a real knack. Not everybody has that. She has a real knack for coming alongside of people where, when they're at their breaking point. Mostly women that she's counseled. And I know not all of you know Rachel, but if you see her in worship, She's, uh, she's right here. She comes to this service um, because we usually go out to eat lunch afterwards at El Rey Azteca. That's, what, that's the restaurant Memo owns, and I, he told me I had to mention the restaurant if I was going to use this uh, <laughs> picture. So. They have uh, lunch specials from 12 to 2. Um, I recommend letter F. But Rachel, back to Rachel. Uh, she's here... If you see her, I know I'm pointing, calling her out, but every Sunday she comes here and sings her heart, to, her heart out to God. She loves these ladies, Jenny and Gina, and this band. 
uh, we love them and thank you for what they pour out every Sunday. But pretty much every Sunday for our whole marriage, Rachel sits in the first or second row and she cries. Our girls look at her and she cries. She praises God and she cries. She praises God and she cries because she carries the burdens of other people all week long. Like me. Like you. She carries the burdens of people all week long. And she brings them here. You understand, right? That coming here is a way of getting up early in the morning. Coming to a place where you expect to meet with God. What would happen if you began to praise God before your breakthrough? That's the invitation this morning is to give it a shot. To say, I love you, God. I trust you. I'm going to rely on you with my whole life, even after John went to prison. Even after we lost him. Even after we knew we'd never see him again. Even after the devastation. I'm going to keep going through the wilderness. I'm going to keep teaching. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep healing, Jesus said. I'm going to keep looking for the ones on the margin, even though everything is not great for me. Our Savior is a suffering servant, one who comes alongside those who are, who are in, in, in devastation and carrying burdens, one who gets up early, even in the midst of that, even after a long, long day of helping other people, he gets up and goes to his Father. I shared with you last week some supernatural stuff uh, in that portion of Mark, Mark chapter one. This week does not disappoint. I don't want to leave it out. So I'll just uh, end with this. this I think this, at least the second time I've told you I was closing the sermon, so I apologize for that. <laughs> Listen, it says that evening after sunset. So what evening? The evening after Jesus took care of people all day long. That evening after sunset, Jesus had a relaxing meal with him. No, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus carefully and gently healed many. Our Savior healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Remember, I told you there's stuff in our story that's only that we can only encounter in the spirit world. And so I just want to say to you this morning, if you need to hear this, Jesus has the power to heal you. He's not too tired. He's not too busy. He hasn't encountered too many today. We believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus knows the demons and knows how to tell them to be quiet. And so if you're in the wilderness, like me, so what I encounter in the wilderness are these lies that tell me to give up, cash it in. You're a goober. That one may be true, but stuff like that, you know? And I start hearing it so much that I forget that I'm actually walking with Jesus who has the power to say to those voices, be quiet. You know, Jesus is the only one I've encountered that has the power to silence those things in my life. So this morning, take a break. You're here. Um, break if you need to. You won't be the first person that have shed tears in here. Rachel does it every Sunday. And praise him before your breakthrough. Before you get there, turn your heart to God. Before you get there, put your trust in him. Let, let me pray. 
God, come and meet us in this place as we seek to turn our hearts towards you, even though we're still wandering through the wilderness. We need you in the broken bread. Let it be Jesus for us. In the juice, let it be his blood shed for us, for our, for our forgiveness of our sins. In his name we pray, amen. I invite Tiffany just to sing through the first part of this song so we can uh, sit under the, the power of these words and praise God together. Bring 